At a young age, cooking with kerosene, pan-fried apple green recipes and magazines. Top chef before home ec, developed his own tech to keep the dough fresh and keep the flow wet. And keep Did you know the Decepticons were slaves and Megatron <laughs> led a slave uprising on Cybertron? And they labeled them Decepticons because Megatron kept saying, you're being deceived. Did you guys know that? That is indeed one particular piece of canon that, that exists in one, one Transformers story, yep. <laughs> I was watching the 1980s animated Transformers movie after going to see Cybertronic Spree to fully immerse myself after experiencing the music. And my friend told me that. I was like, oh, Megatron, no! I knew someone who transformed into also a T-Rex could not be evil. I mean, look, in some bits of, 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 of Transformers canon, that is the case. And in some bits of Transformers canon, he's just a fascist. Oh. Really depends what which story you're reading. If a media property goes on long enough, eventually there will be so many alternate versions. You can just come on and be like, do you know there's a universe where Batman kills the Joker and then a poisonous gas makes him like half Batman, half Joker? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but what I do know is that, I, I said this before, but I just would like to know, everyone agrees that Giselle is a witch and she's taking her power back from Tom Brady because they got divorced, right? Like he said, my wife is a witch and I'm like, yeah, she's like never aging and shit. She's drinking blood or something, right? That's what happened. <laughs> I definitely know anything about Tom Brady. <laughs> No, he's going to come back begging for forgiveness because of her witch powers. Obviously, they're going to get back together. But he has to play a shitty season for her, so her for her to prove, "Hey, don't don't fuck around." That's what TikTok says and seems legit. I mean, th th this is not my my area of sports. I I am now technically I I definitely am a sports knower now, but only about like British independent wrestling. I'm a wrestling commentator now. I did wrestling commentary. I know sports. I can do sport. Oh, amazing. Yeah, you can go you can go watch uh, Spectrum Wrestling's Rejoice up on YouTube and I do commentary through the whole thing because I definitely understand sports. <laughs> That's extremely cool to me. Yeah, I can explain to you why there's a clown who has a swirl on their nose that they use to do hypnosis and how oh how they're gonna get around that. Oh, the live commentary on lore? So in case like there's new oh okay, so the nose does hypnosis. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm there to explain all the background so you're like, okay, so this is how the murder clowns got their weird like um hypnosis powers and that's why that wrestler's like having trouble in the ring today. Oh, because they're they're going woozy and stuff because of yeah. the hypnosis. <laughs> Exactly right. You you see, I'm I'm that that that's my contribution to sports is telling you why clowns have psychic powers. I just want the audience to know that that transition from Transformers to Tom Brady to wrestling was organic. I didn't edit anything out, right? Like that wasn't the case where you heard a really shortened version of like a thirty minute conversation. That's just what this is like. This experience of being in this call with us. Quick insert: My computer just did a complete. Blorp? I don't know. But it's still recording and it seems fine. But I was just letting you know. Okay. Do I don't you know what just happened. Do you want to define a complete blorp? Everything. I think my wallpaper engine crashed, maybe. I, I'm using a USB mic and then USB headphones separately. So I don't know. Like, every. I don't. The, the recording's still happening. It's fine. 
Listen, I mean, like, if you, if you could, if people could understand just the amount of, like, bizarre, esoteric DMing skills Austin's able to pull out this season, you know, it's amazing, you know, just. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it has been absolutely labyrinthine doing this season. It's been the hardest season by a long shot. It uh, has been everything. a logistically complex one, for sure. <laughs> Everything from people switching characters to people dropping out to people dropping in to my cat dying to moving to geez, I, it's just been I've been I, I solved the lament configuration this season and it's just been chains all the way down. Oh, <laughs> that's that's that thing. You made it through though, Austin, and we appreciate it, even though we weren't helpful at all. Sorry. I love spite as a motivator because uh, there's been some discourse in the listenership. And once again, we're recording uh, far in the future, so we're not responding week by week. But a lot of people have been saying, like, uh, is it okay that I want the Pants for Pets to lose the race? Or, like, should we be rooting for Pants for Pets to win? And that takes me back to, like, before we started the season when I said everyone should watch the Tarkovsky film Stalker which is about mm. people going into an uncharted land uh, where there is something that will grant them a wish. Like, it, I'm not hiding that that's the inspiration. Yeah. But if you haven't seen this film, I'm about to spoil a 70-year-old film, so <laughs> skip ahead 30 seconds, I guess, if you don't want that. Oh, well, well let, me, uh, let me skip ahead here, Austin. Okay, okay. 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 Right. <laughs> in the future. Okay, ready. <laughs> uh, when, they, when they get to the end, uh, they find out that someone who got them before got there before them uh, used their wish and was so overcome with guilt that they, uh, as the TikTok kids say, unalived themselves. Um, and <laughs> realizing that the human heart is selfishness, they simply turn around and go home. Like, after all that suffering and the whole journey, they're like, actually, fuck this, and they leave. So I think if Ju Juniper could have definitely gotten to the Tarkovsky point. Look, I'm, I'm just going to put it this way. I, the player here, um, I attribute my entire career as a writer to entirely trying to spite one Zelda fan site that said I would never be good enough to do even unpaid writing, and I was like, fuck you, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Sometimes spite's a powerful motivator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and I like it both because it's emotionally honest and also tying into the theme of selfishness, which from Zana and Vimble uh, as very obvious ones to maybe like uh, Gladys as the counterpoint, an extremely selfless person in this season. Uh, I think that there, you know, there's a lot of resonance here. I'm up my own butt at this point, but <laughs> I like all I mean, this. There, there, there is definitely some selfishness from Juniper in the sense that if you had, if Juniper had gotten here like minute one in this world and you'd said, Juniper, do you want to go through a harrowing, terrifying adventure where you will lose limbs and be constantly afraid of being murdered in order to protect the life of all plant life up here? There is a much better chance than right now that Juniper would have gone, uh, that's a lot, and, and just bolted. Yeah. And... Yeah, there's there's skin in the game now. Gotta 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 prove I can finish. Yeah, I really liked Juniper's arc uh, this season. I feel like uh, we're now we're just talking about the cut the process of writing, uh, <laughs> but she definitely has undergone a lot of change, and it's been very interesting. I think I said before, like now she's punished Juniper like fucking uh, little gear. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's certifiably badass now. I regret the evil I inflicted upon Wasana. I uh. Clearly, it went all the wrong ways. 
I mean, do we want to talk about this now? I feel like uh, I, I'm in the, the mood to talk about the entire season at this point because we are gearing up towards the final arc. I think we're going to hit the big race, uh, which is going to be like, I don't know, two or three episodes to like the final boss fight. And then we're done. So if we're going to get some stuff out here, I want to say that going into this season, um, I said, like, watch Stalker. <laughs> like, that's the main inspiration. Um, and then we had some interesting player choices. One was uh, you came to me with Zana, who was a cheerleader. And I said, that doesn't really jive with the thing we're doing. I said, do you want to do Shard Point, which is set in a school with your cheerleader? <laughs> and you said no. Uh, so then I retooled the entire season to be about a team of academics so that the cheerleader would make sense. Oh, damn. Thank you for doing that. I uh, didn't realize that at the time. But then that had the knock-on effect of Juniper being an academic, committing very hard. And I, I really love Laura, you know, uh, your character creation process is very collaborative and you, you really uh, committed to the bit. And then Sam came in and was like, my guy's called Dark Justice. He doesn't care about any of this academic shit. And like in episode one, he just turned to the camera and goes, I don't care about your premise. And it's like, <laughs> I even said to Sam, like, we just did an 80 hour season about criminal justice. I don't know that I want a character named Dark Justice who's talking about law. And he was like, you know, I'm get this fucking guy is gonna get obliterated two episodes in, <laughs> and yeah, he died pretty quick. But he's his shadow. I mean, has hung around. He didn't actually die right away, right? He died recently, but he left the party somewhat early. But the knock-on effects of of Vimble and Zana have like sh overshadowed everything. It made everyone hate you. It like really brought some some stuff to the season that could have easily changed everything. And this, the fan reaction has been very interesting because there are people who are like, I love Zana's girl boss energy. I love Vimble being a smelly little bastard. <laughs> but there are also a lot of people who are like, I want heroes who save the world. I don't want a meditation on selfishness where people backstab each other. I... I genuinely love both of them as characters, and I think that they were perfectly executed in, in what they were doing. And also, I had committed to playing a character that was heavily leaning on the what I had been told was the, the season theme, and that creates clashes sometimes. I was under the impression <laughs> that more there would be more... Well, first of all, I felt like I was pretending to be an asshole but whenever we were in fights or like doing anything i tried to play as much of a support role as i could mm -hmm. i was just say doing it in a mean way <laughs> i didn't want to like kill anybody i was just being real mean and yeah, you just wanted to gaslight gatekeep girl boss yeah but like whenever party members were in trouble i always tried to like help them i but like i don't know i think I was trying to like actually play the supporting role while playing a dick, basically. I don't know. And I also expected for there to be more pushback, but like whenever I was like, and then I did this, and everyone was like, chaos, and I was like, oh no! <laughs> oh, this felt so bad. Uh, I don't know. One thing I will just say is that it's always hard to try to design someone with the intention that they're going to fail. You can't do that, like that type of design approach. Uh, I'm not saying it backfires. It's just it's not reliable. <laughs> I had a motivation that was like really dumb. I don't know, because I was like, OK, I need to make something really different from slime. And also I just watched um, Jennifer's body 
So great, I, great like, film though. And I wanted to experiment to with what it yeah. felt like to be an asshole. And I, I think that is a perfectly valid thing to do with a character. Like D and D is a space for playing around with roleplay. I guess the consequences are is now I've roleplayed and seen how being an asshole just really just destroys everything. And I thought it was going to be fun, and it wasn't. <laughs> like I am extremely, extremely submissive in real life, and I was like, I need to do something to like not be that. So I thought making this character would be good, and I've like, all right, I've simulated it. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to play a character that is the least you possible. I was trying to to make myself in real life be more like girl boss because I thought that would make me more confident. It just made me feel like shit. Like I don't like it. I mean, I think there's an argument that the like season that deals with like colonialism should probably eventually have deeply uh, compromised characters. I think if all of you were like paragons of goodness, that would be uh, a little weird. Um, I think that's an argument here. Mm-hmm. Also, Sophie, who is in here, I would say, I don't know if she's going to be on the Q&A episode to talk about this, uh, but she did say, like, oh, you know, you know, Dio has this blank slate in the same way that this part of the world is a blank slate, and, like, growing together is, like, you know, the, the themes there line up pretty cleanly, but also, yeah. like, she was doing voice training, and she wanted it to mirror Dio uh, finding their voice, like, literally, uh, in addition to, like, you know, yeah. narratively along the, the thing, but having a blank slate character and two evil characters or like two an- like antagonistic characters to be Juniper really the only one holding it down. I remember thinking like if I was Laura, uh, I would be pissed. Like I would be <laughs> like Laura's a saint. I would be mad if I was in a D&D campaign and I followed directions and the premise and everyone around me did not. <laughs> I mean, I my my side on this is always very I I hope when I play a character like Juniper, that other party members don't hold it against me or begrudge me or dislike me for doing that. In that I feel like there is a certain degree of commitment to I've committed to playing a character and I have to kind of just play them out and that might mean me being the character that's, you know eventually hits breaking point and goes, no, fuck off, stop, stop that. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a difficult thing to do as a player because I don't want to be stepping on anyone else's creative toes and basically being the one going, no, your character choices are not allowed and bad and must stop. Because like that just feels like, it, it feels like not... You know, the, the cliche rule of improv of yes and, and it feels like going very much against that to in character tell someone's character, no, this is unacceptable character being. I mean, I've said before that the only time I ever really vetoed a character idea was when Conrad wanted to play a, a serial killer who preyed on children specifically. And I was oh, like, okay. I was like, why don't you just be a serial killer and some of your victims can be children in season six. Um, but I think the second one, and this is like a light veto, was after Vimble left the party. Sam was like, can I be a bunch of rats in a trench coat? And I was like, wait, no, I would have loved that. What? I mean, we just had the pizza rats last season, which is what I said. And also, that doesn't it doesn't really feel like it jives with the the themes that we're going here. I'm trying to do an exploration of like colonialism and like land use I, and stuff. I'll, 
I'll 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 say this. I ended up like quite enjoying. Ju- uh, I've ended up quite enjoying Juniper as basically being the opposite way that Nifix in whichever previous season could have gone, which is the person at complete odds with everyone they're in the party with. Nifix snapped. Juniper is the attempting to to not go. I'm just gonna super. I'm gonna super villain this. <laughs> I feel like Juniper is gonna turn into Darth Vader. It's gonna be great. <laughs> And of course, the fact that this entire season is literally a result of Nitfix's choice. If you haven't listened to previous seasons, I asked the party essentially, like, what do you want to happen to the universe? And the thing they described is what we're playing through the consequences of. So it's a hundred, like this season would be 150% different if you had sided with different people in season six. Yeah. Also, I'm just going to, I'm just going to admit it now while we're on the air, um, uh, Juniper entirely exists so I could get like fursona fan art done. So thank you, community. <laughs> <gasps> Scammed. Um, oh. The played the long con. <laughs> I, uh, I, my situation this season is very odd in the whole thing too because um, Treyan was originally designed during the pre-planning process for this season, and we were even planning Mari and I of some specific Zana and Treyan interactions, and. Upon re-listening through this season and research of joining back in, I'm like, how the hell would my little, my poor little dragonborn character survive in this original party configuration? I have no idea. <laughs> you would have to be too oblivious. We'll talk more in the Q&A stuff. Uh, we're about to jump back into the, the, the narrative, but I will say mm-hmm. that um, the Dragon Quest, where we introduced Treyan, has been a smash hit with fans. People absolutely love those characters, and it is partially because uh, they're all on the same page. And I think Treyan, having been with Zana, while it would have been very funny, because mm-hmm. like Mari and uh, you know, is very funny, Sam is very funny, I think that people would not like Treyan as much. Uh, if he had started uh, having to tolerate Zana in some way, because it makes you complicit in her stuff. Yeah. yeah, either he'd have to be complicit or he had to be fighting back against it, and neither one would have been very compelling narratively. That's sort of where I mean by surviving in that respect, because um, the character would have had to been altered heavily to fit within that dynamic, or stick to the character and cause a lot of weird narrative friction that wouldn't even kind of make sense for the grander story being told. So... I just kind of appreciate this, the opportunity to contribute in the ways that I have as uh, it kind of convoluted it's been, but I think uh, I'm happy with where my character is for the relatively short screen time he's had. Yep. I mean, at this point, the audience will have heard, uh, you know, I think a 10 Dragon Quest episodes in addition to your Pants for Pets stuff. So they'll have gotten a lot of Tran FaceTime. But as we move into your level up uh, to finish that conversation, I will say uh, there's going to be this final like stretch this boss fight i expect to be kind of multiple episodes and like really intricate it's got my ideas for it to be the biggest fight in dice funk history essentially um and i don't know who's gonna win nothing is scripted uh, uh everything this season has been organic who got the body parts who got the weapons i don't know who's gonna win what's gonna happen i'm hoping to play a season in whatever area is created but uh, this is truly, truly improv <laughs> if, the, if the audience doesn't know. Uh, so I, who you want to win, that's between you and, and your heart. <laughs> but um, I am not trying to make anything happen. For anyone who has ever doubted that this show is completely improv and that Austin will just roll with shit, like, I, I think back on a long list of things, uh, the first one that jumps to mind, rolling insight on the universe. <laughs> like, Austin... <laughs> 
Austin is happy to go, okay, I guess that's where we're going. I, my favorite moment was when we stole the wheels. <laughs> we, we just put our wheels into our cart, which was right next to their cart. After riding, it was us. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> this is stupid. Sorry.